Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 69 of the North Meets South web podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about our never-ending app that's eventually going to happen someday, then ping me. We like the name. We like the code. We just can't release the thing. Yeah. So um, what, that's what we're talking about today a little bit. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Minio. Oh my gosh, I love Minio. Maybe some DFS namespace stuff up in here. What else? SFTPs, SFTP drivers, enums, constants, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Okay, so let's jump into it. So let's um, let's start with real quick um, what's going on. Uh, actually, you know what? Do we we don't do the personal stuff? We don't need to do the personal stuff. We always do the personal stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to suffice it to say. Okay, here's what I, here's what I, was, I will say real quick, real fast. Graham had a basketball game today. This is relevant because nice. you like basketball. Proceed. And I I have to say this because I'm a proud dad, but also because it's true. He's the best player on the team. I'm pretty stoked. It's been awesome. It's now, pretty good. To be fair, it's a second and third grade team, right? Uh-huh. To be fair, and also to be fair, I'm pretty sure like nine of the 11 kids on the team all know each other from the same elementary school and none of them have ever played basketball before. And this, so they all just decided to sign up together. So we were working on dribbling skills, yeah. right? That's yeah. what we were. And that's okay though. Cause it's like that type of league, right? Where it's just yeah. very, very recreational, like not competitive, whatever. They don't keep score, right? That sort of mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. yet. They don't keep score yet. But Graham scored 16 points today in his game. I was pretty stoked. It was awesome. That's so I get to, that's I get to coach good. his team and it was, uh, it was really fun. He's uh he's getting aggressive. There was a really big kid on the other team today who was like <laughs> who was elbowing him and he gave it back. It was a little bit uh you know <laughs> as like a coach and a, also as his dad it's like a little bit hard to watch but you just got to let him fight their own fights kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nice. It was it was fun though. It was really fun. That's all. That's all. Uh, and and then my wife my wife's birthday was today. Happy birthday, Laura. I love you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Anything going on in your life you want to tell us about real quick? Matt Stalfer put this blog post out about his uh, streaming thing. And so for those of you watching the live stream, you can see I'm beautifully lit. I've got this oh, LED wow. that strip is, oh, here yeah. beautiful behind lit. me. I've, uh, I've got the, the Elgato stream deck to, you know, press buttons while I'm so funny. You just love the thing. toys. You love the it's, toys. I love the toys. And I, was, <laughs> I sat here last night and I was going to, do some streaming on then ping me because I was doing some work and yeah because I haven't worked on it since just before Christmas you know how NPM is I and I tried to run NPM and yes. it just didn't work and so oh, I gosh. spent like an hour on that and then by the time I got everything back to where I wanted it to be it was time for me to go to bed and I figured it was not worth it and I I, I want to get your thoughts on this yes hear me in That's terms right. of in terms of Live streaming and sharing what we're working on is cool, oh, okay. but how much yeah. of the secret sauce do we want to give away in terms Man, of the project? I don't know. This is sort of like, this is um, interesting ground, right? Because there are a lot of competitors, as it were, quote unquote competitors. Mm-hmm. But I think about a place like, I think like about Nova, like Laravel Nova, and it's just, there's a source code. Here you go. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. Like, Everybody here it is, right? It's and I feel like it's less about like there's there's nothing that we're doing that somebody else couldn't do, but we have had to come up with some novel solutions around some of the problems that we faced, right? So mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, the service itself is the reason that people would get it is because it solves their problem for them conveniently, right? Yeah. There's going to be people who would want to do it themselves and that's fine. They're not our customer. So I wouldn't worry too much about it, to be honest. I think that maybe the value you get out of live streaming it is a couple things. Number one, you're more motivated to do it. Number two, when you're live streaming or pairing, like you stay more focused, right? I feel like you're able to get more done in a shorter period of time because you're, you're Mm -hmm. accountable to the people who are watching or streaming with you. And then number three, it's also good for promotional purposes, right? So people know what's being worked on. They can kind of, there's builds a little bit of tiny bit of hype around it so that when it's released, it's not like, Oh, what is this again? It's like, you've been live streaming it for the last however long. Yeah. Yeah, No. So I think for me, like the upsides, like outweigh the downsides, but I could be wrong. I was I was definitely considering doing it. Like I had no issues doing it with the the Laravel app or the package that you install into your Laravel app to get that up and running because that right. code is going to be visible. Sure. You, yeah, you, that's you're true. just gonna see that it's just gonna be there. It'll give you some indication around the kind of payloads that we send through to to the SaaS. But in terms of how we handle it and what we're doing with it behind the scenes, there's not, you know, there's not too much there. In the end, and and like you just get to see me flailing around. Uh, and realizing that I don't do a lot of programming anymore, and so dude, isn't it sad? <laughs> getting a bit less. It's 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 a bit funny. I was actually talking to our uh, C chief operations officer today, and there are some plans in the sort of later part of this year to maybe get me writing some more code again, which would be nice. There's there's a few things that have to fall into place for that to work, but I'm looking forward to the possibility. The possibility. My my interest was certainly peaked. Just that, the ability to be able to. Yeah, to work. So, yeah, would, it'll, yeah. it'll be good. I, I do like coding, and and like when I get home, it's I I get home, and then Eli gets home shortly after, and then it's sort of you know family time until he goes right, to right. sleep. And and depending on how my day went, I'll either hit the gym, go for a walk, or just hang out with Ray for a bit. And then by the time I start anything, it's kind of like eight nine o'clock at night. And for sure, yep. And it's like oh, I should probably go to bed because then I have to get up again at six in the morning and you know do it all again. And um, and the, and the weekends are tricky as well because you know we go out in the morning, we go shopping and and you know grocery shopping and things like that. And then we come back and Eli could sleep for two hours or three hours or he could sleep for half an hour. And it's and it's hard to really plan anything. And by the time you get into a, a groove, I got to you know detach and 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 go back and work on it. So. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's tough, I, I definitely That's, want to yeah. get it done though, especially now. Like we're running multiple applications across multiple servers in HA and it's getting to the point where we kind of really need the thing. And we yep. actually had a conversation. I had a conversation with our um one of our enterprise systems guys last or two weeks ago now. And we're talking about monitoring specifically and what we're using and what we're monitoring and what we're not monitoring and how we're monitoring it and things like that. So it'll be good to to have something in place to monitor this these applications specifically because there are times when you know commands don't run that's that's the whole point of us building this app is to monitor those situations so yeah i i definitely want to get onto it i just i just need to i think maybe live streaming is the way but I also live stream to an echo chamber because the time zone thing. So yeah so like eight eight nine o'clock your time is like what my time and that well no that should be um so you're eight, nine o'clock in the evening. It's like the middle of the, it's like the end of the workday, right? For us. Yeah. So it's right at eight, nine, but it's, you know, it's kind of. Actually, I guess it's, the I mean, middle, it's okay. right after lunch. It's like, it's like two thirty, three o'clock our time. If I start at, no, that's not that late. If I start at 10 o'clock at night, that's probably like six, seven a.m. 
6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. So I'd have to do hold it on, earlier hold in on, the day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're 14 and a half hours. 16 and a half at the moment because you're not on daylight savings and I'm and I'm on daylight savings. Okay, so savings. if you started at... So right now so it's 3.30 p.m. on Sunday and it is what? Like, like uh, I would have to do it around this o'clock time. Here. Yeah, it's 11 o'clock there. So I would have to do it at this time. But, you know, it's, I can't do it on the weekends at this time because Eli's around. This is, a, is an exception. This recording time is very special to us, and so we make time for it. And and during the week, I'm at, I'm at work, so it doesn't really work out there either. Unfortunately, right, right, yeah, bummer, dude. So I want to do yeah. it, but at the same time, like, who am I actually going to program to? Well, you might, you might, you might be surprised. You might find an audience. Might catch some, you know, yeah, or some of those people on the west coast. For sure, yeah. No, I would say try it, man. Try it and see yeah. see how it feels. See what you think about it. And I mean, the thing is, you already got all the equipment, right? So you might as well just try it, start it out. <laughs> yes, if you're not going to use it, now. yeah, you do. You have all the toys now. So I'm sure Reese sees these boxes come in and just like, Michael, what did you buy now? Well, yeah, I needed, she was, you know, I needed the she already lights. Tweeted and out, I needed as soon this. as yeah, as soon as she, as soon as he got that blog post out, she tweeted at him and just said, Matt, no, the money, the money's gone already. <laughs> That's hilarious. He already ordered it. It's gone. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, man. I'm going to turn this mic back a little bit this way because I feel like there you it's go. barely, it's barely picking up anything. Justin Jackson will watch me program. He's on the West Coast of Kanadistan. Kanadistan? That's a good There's one, one viewer. I mean, we've got five people watching us now, so maybe they'll watch yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. So shall we jump into the nuts and bolts of it? Nuts and bolts away. Okay. So currently what we've got is we've got a landing page. Woohoo. We've got a login page. Also woohoo. We've got a dashboard. The dashboard allows you to create a new project. We've got an empty state there. So that looks nice and pretty. Create a project. And that's kind of what we've been discussing right now a little bit is what should it look like when you go to create a new project. I think we need to have something because so the, the real deal is like when you go to create a new project, typically you give it a name, right? Or you fill in a couple settings or something like that. Well, there may be additional settings that we could fill in at some point, but right now it's just a name. However, once it generates or once you once you generate that project and give it a name, it then gives you a command to run from your uh, application. Once you run that application, uh, that code in your application, what it does is it, it sends a payload in and it will then rename that project to whatever your app name ENV is set to, uh, which, or yeah. actually, I guess it's your config app.name, right? Um, yeah. Which could be a little bit confusing because if you just created one called, you know, Jake's test app, and then you run this command, it could then come in as, you know, jake.laravel.com or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just unexpected. Yeah. It's sort of like, it's a little bit jarring. Yeah. So I think we have a couple options. I think either we stop renaming it and just let them name it, which honestly I'd be quite okay with. I think that might be the ticket because mm-hmm. it's very possible that they would want to name it something other than what the name of the application is. That's possible. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'd rather have them have the most control. Yeah. So there is a general rule that we try and follow with like specifically our data entry people at our job. And the the rule that we have is we will do as much magic as we can on the front end to present them with a a very intelligent uh, form that has done as much work as we can do behind the scenes. But after we've done that, we touch nothing afterwards. If they ever edit anything in the form, they are the boss. They are the final Mm -hmm. say. They are the source of truth. So if you ever put something in, we should never change it out from underneath them is basically the rule that we use. And because I think it just, otherwise it's very, um, 
they just never know if they can trust the system or not. It's like, well, I put this in, but I don't know if it's going to stay that. So it's like, eh, I'm not sure. So we can either, so I think we have two options. We can either stop doing that where we rename the app to be what the uh, app name variable is, which would be my vote. Mm -hmm. Or when they create a new project, we don't ask them to name it. We just ask them to run a command. And then when they run the command, it names it. So I think those are the two options. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think think the way that it's set up at the moment, it kind of has to be something in between the two. Okay. Because you need to create the project within the app. Right. So it's kind of like waiting for it. Yeah. It yeah, a- in order in order to generate the UUID. I mean, what we could do is when you hit create project, it just gives you a skeleton project that sets the UUID, which we use for the setup. And then it doesn't prompt you for a name or anything like that. It just creates a new project and gives you the command to run. And then when you do that, it'll do the rest for you. So it'll go and set the name and all of that kind of stuff. And if you want to change it after, then you can change it and we won't make any modifications to it at all. And I think that kind of hits the balance between the two options where we want to, we need to know about it before they can set it up on their end. Yeah. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think about, so, so you're basically advocating that we just do the second option, which is they create a project, we give them the code and then whenever they, when they run it, they, it creates the project for them with the name of that, whatever's in the app dot. Mm-hmm whatever and then if they want to modify it after the fact they can and we won't change it after that but you're saying the initial payload that comes in we should name it whatever the name of the app is yeah just to give them Mm. some indication that it's actually working as they would expect it to be you're saying that the okay because well i mean i guess if it pinged in if it pinged in the very first thing it should do is yeah it's going to set it up with is there any other way to indicate to them that it's working without renaming the project like so what else happens at the time where we set the project up and run that initial thing anything does anything happen or are we literally just well we take a we take a list of all the scheduled tasks and then pre-populate them them. so i mean that's the other thing we could conceivably just not update the project name that's you know neither here nor there that's just part of the the model update or the model create when they set it up yeah we could probably on our end too say like create the name when you first set the project up because it's like, okay, I'm setting up a project. How do I do this? Like you mm-hmm. at least have a field to fill in. So they feel like I'm doing something. I'm setting up the project, name it, enter. And then, you know, I suppose what we could do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can, that's kind of what I think. Like if we're going to, uh, if we're going to populate the tasks, if we're, I, you know, if we're going to, I guess I think that if they're going to create a project, allow them to do something to create the project. And then, um, I don't know, man, I guess I could go either way. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Right. I don't care. I'll just flip a coin and do whatever the coin says. It's there the you easiest go. way. That'll work. Okay. So the, so that's that's the first part. So you create the project by running this. Uh, you, you click in the, you know, in our dashboard and you create the new project. Then you run this thing in your command line and it will pull in all the scheduled tasks that you currently have listed in there. Both tasks, commands, and closures, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we'll kind of figure out using the mutex, which we have in there that will kind of, I think it also contains the current timing of the task, right? How often it's going to check in. Yep. So we'll know that as well. So we'll list that all out for your project. So you don't have to do anything. Uh, It'll just say, here they all are. Here you go. Approve, disapprove, watch, stop watching, right? We'll have a little eyeball next to them. Like, oh yeah, we watch this one sometimes, but eh, don't, don't do that one because that one's a little bit finicky or something, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know. Okay, so then the structure that we kind of have around how this works, uh, the hierarchy, is we have obviously a user, 
Uh, and this could change in the future based on like teams or however we want to do that. But typically we'll say a user, which has multiple projects. Projects have multiple tasks that they monitor, right? Yeah. I think that's the correct word for it is task. I can't think of anything else that we would that we would use for it. So like each task then, and this is where we're a little bit fuzzy what we're talking about tonight. Each task has executions. So executions is a a task that it's the life ran. cycle essentially. Yeah. 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 So like it ran and here is the execution details. And then each execution will have multiple pings. So the ping in, the initial ping in will create the execution on our side. And it will also have a recorded ping so we know when it started. And then our task, uh, scheduled task ended or whatever, we'll have a ping in and that will close the loop on that execution. Yeah. So we'll know, hey, yeah. we got it. It, you know, it worked. Uh, and then the other thing that we could do in that, so there's a couple little things to, to talk about with that, but that's the, that's the general idea is that you have a begin, you have an end that will generate an execution. The execution will keep track of, hey, how long did this uh, execution take to run? You know, what task does it belong to? Uh, is there anything else that we need to know that we could intelligently infer from those pings that we got? Right. Mm-hmm. Is that like, you know, I'm not even sure how much information you get from the system. Like, I don't know if you could use talk about like resources or or anything like that. If it talks about how much memory it used, that might be interesting. Yeah, we can add those kinds of things in. I don't think it's too hard because we can hook into that stuff from within the event, either side of the execution of the task. Because the way that the task scheduler runs is it fires them off sequentially. So, all right. So, three questions. Here they are. Are you ready? And the, mm-hmm. the, the bummer part about this is I felt like we had this solved, this the particular problem I'm going to talk about, uh, but we don't. So, here is, here is the problem. First, first problem is that I have to get Notion open so I can talk about this. Okay. First problem is what about skipped tasks, right? Mm hmm. Do we put that in an execution? I'm going to list them all out here in my, yeah. my problems. Okay, what about skip tasks? What if we have a finished ping, but no start, right? Mm-hmm. And then what if we have a start with no end? Okay, so let's start with the skipped executions. So tell me when that would happen. The, the only time that a skipped execution will happen the way that it's been set up based on the events that fire in the event scheduler is when the truth constraint, so if you're using a scheduled task with a when method chained onto it, if that evaluates to false, then we will receive a scheduled task skipped event. Now, that's not an error condition. That's, you know, you maybe only want to run this task at a certain time or if there's, you know, it's a new order report, but it only sends the new order report if there are new orders since the last time it ran. So you could have a truth constraint in that. That's not an indication that the task failed to run. It's an indication that the business logic for the task dictated that it didn't need to run. And so because- I think it is technically an execution though, because the execute this this the task gets executed. Like the scheduler actually looks at it because when mm-hmm. we when we do this, the payload that's coming in includes the next run at time. Right, mm-hmm. so we update the ex- we update the task to say here's the next run at time, and it should be running at this at this period, right? Mm-hmm. And so if it's like daily, if your if your thing says check new orders daily when, right? Daily is when it's supposed to run, and if yes. it's not running daily, 
that's a problem because you mm-hmm. have to, it still should be checking in, checking it daily and then executing that when condition. But if it's not checking that every day, then that's problematic, right? So if you said mm-hmm. every 10 minutes, when, or every five minutes, when, or whatever, right? You still have to run it that first portion. You still have to run it that yeah. frequently. Uh, and then the yeah. when just tells you whether it was actually executed or not. So yeah. I, still, I still think executed is the is a good word for it. I th- Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I mean, because the task itself, if you're scheduling a command, the command never runs if the truth constraint doesn't pass. Yeah, the that's true. The closure doesn't run if the, so this is kind of gatekeeping the actual execution and we would still know right. that the task ran on its regular interval. We just know that it didn't actually have to do anything and we can, you know, report that in the in the UI that's like, it was, it was skipped. We just had the status of the task to skip. Yeah, in it's the, almost like so. Yeah, so it's almost like instead of execution is the word a check in, and then you have in the check in whether the uh, task was executed or whether the task was skipped. Like yeah, and that makes it easy because or I mean you could whether you call it an execution or a check in, you could just put a flag on there that says that it was skipped. It's just a yeah. just a boolean is skipped kind of thing, and if it was skipped, then you've still got the record of the execution there. You can see that it was skipped. Um, and then, you know, because we wanted to talk about doing some metrics later on, we just need to make sure yeah. that in calculating average runtimes and things like that, that we don't include the skipped ones because that'll skew the statistics. Because yeah. if your task normally takes, you know, 60 seconds to run, but it was skipped. So that only takes, you know, a hundredth of a second or, you know, a hundred milliseconds or whatever. It's it's going to skew that. It's going to bring that average runtime down and that could trigger an alert later on in the future when we add that kind of functionality in. I think execution is the right word because here's why. If you have an execution, you have the status was like execution ran or finished or execution errored or execution, you know, failed to start or execution was skipped. Like that makes sense. Like execution was skipped. That's fine. Like you. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Taylor. Uh, For those of you who are listening, Michael just held up a Taylor Otwell bobblehead to the camera. That's what's going on there. Okay. Um, so yeah, like I think it makes sense to say execution was skipped. I don't think that's confusing at all. The yeah. only thing is like it's going to be filling up your your uh, logs, I guess. I mean, you wouldn't get an alert the thing as this thing. Like, yeah, I'm okay with having the information there that it skipped, 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 yeah, ran. I, skipped, I skipped. wouldn't. Yeah, because it's still saying that the task checked in when it was supposed to. It's yeah. saying that you have said that it should be skipped and we have logged that it has skipped. Yeah, and therefore we don't have to worry about that functionality. So yeah, I think yep, yep, I think yep. that probably clears that up. So you'll put the you'll put that in an issue somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I will for me write to that work down right now. Let me see. Yeah, yeah that's just, you, that's, yeah, that's just adding a, another column into a table and just flagging it because we get the event. All we have to do is send that in the payload, which we're already doing, and then it just means handling that specific scenario that hey, it ran. That we still need to create the execution record, and that the execution record should be marked as skipped. And, I technically and job think, yeah. Done. I I actually think that instead of this being a uh, was skipped column, I think it needs to be a status column. Um, and there's going to be a couple statuses that we might have there. So on an execution, uh, on an execution. So mm-hmm. add a column of status. So here they are. What are the different types of statuses we could have? We should we could say skipped. Mm-hmm. What else would you have? I can think started. of some, but let's started. Okay, finished, finished, errored. Not completed. Uh, this is, brings us into our next question. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yep. Right, skipped, started, 
finished, aired, not completed, not started. I mean, like, you know, you could um, not completed is not completed is weird. Incomplete means we never got a finish. Incomplete means we didn't get a finish. I don't think we would ever know that there's an error because the error would just, there would be an exception. It would, have got, it would have been swallowed by Laravel and we never would have got the finish event. So we would just say that that task never finished, that it timed yep. out or whatever. And then so we'll the task is now in a, in a thing or delayed. Andreas on a Twitter suggests delayed. Uh, on a Periscope suggests that delayed. Interesting. Delayed. Let's talk about that. But would delayed be a delayed start? And that would be the task that is delayed. And the, but the execution is, you know, incomplete. Hmm. So I, I don't, hmm. Okay. So you've got, yeah. Okay. So here's, here's kind of like this delayed thing. We should talk about this. Okay. I'm going to make a new thing here for delayed. All right. And we, and we actually have considered this. So with delayed, we actually have this idea of grace periods. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you have a task that's supposed to start at nine o'clock, we will give it until 9.01 to check in, Yeah. right? So that initial ping start, it will have until 9.01 to, to, to start. If it doesn't start by 9.01, we'll alert you. So you have like a one minute grace period. That's not configurable, but it could be. Perfect for instance here. This happens on our app all the time that we built for this. It's set to run at nine o'clock. Freaking no exception, right? If you have mm-hmm. more than one job queued up to run, like for that particular exact time, and we've had this, we had a long running job that was that was running. It doesn't it doesn't go until the first one's done. Correct. Yeah. So like, if you have a long running job, like it's like too bad, so sad, and. What that might mean is you might need to schedule it for another time, possibly. If you have a really, really long running job that's sitting out there and, you know, hogging all of your ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we have this grace period of like one minute. So it it has a minute to check in. With finishing, with finishing, I think the um, what we said was we look at how often it runs and if it has not, so we either say it has like an extra three minutes or something like that, or half the time between when it's supposed to run and and when when it's uh, like so. For example, like if it's every minute, you have an extra thirty seconds after. You know what I mean? That if it if it doesn't like finish yeah. or something yeah. like that, if it doesn't finish in a minute and a half. Uh, or something like that, then yeah. then we we consider it like either delayed or incomplete, right? Yeah. I think, so like we I think to, delay. So, sorry, I think delay on the task is good. If you miss that sixty second grace period, that first sixty second grace period, I think we can say straight away that the task is delayed. The task is I, delayed, not the execution, but the task. Not the itself. execution. Yeah, the task has been delayed from when it should be running. Okay, and so we're talking we about two different things here. But if but if we don't see that task check in in another interval of the grace period, then we say it's late. Then we say it's like skipped or it's missing or whatever. And then that should then trigger an alert, which should trigger you to go and look at why it's been delayed. Is it not running? Is it being held up by something else? Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So like, okay. So with tasks we have, like tasks are like, you know, just under project level. So tasks we have like healthy, late or missing. And then we have delayed essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and healthy kind of comes first. And then we have delayed and then we have late or missing, right? Is the idea. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, but like, okay. So for example, then, and, and we're talking about like, we have this delayed idea, whatever. So we've already said with an execution, we have this skipped, which is what we talked about, which is it's intentionally skipped, right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's still a healthy task in my opinion. Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And then, so we would have to have in addition to that, the answer to these questions. What if we have a start with no end? So that's what we're talking about with the execution, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, I get a task is delayed, fine, whatever. If you have an execution that starts and never finishes, at some point you have to call it on that execution. Yeah. Like you like, cause here's the deal. It may start and 20 minutes later it checks in. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it finally comes back. It was a really long running job. It actually ran way longer than what it was supposed to run, but it comes back and checks in in 20 minutes. Do you just, you know what I mean? What, at what point do you have to update the status of that execution to say, Hey, listen, like this started a long time ago. We're going to say that this never completed. Like we're yeah. going to let you know that this execution that was started at this time was running and either still running or whatever, but for right now, we're going to call it incomplete. I think if we have a subsequent start before we have a finish, then we can say that's an error. No, but how about this? Like, how about your daily task? Mm. You can, like, then you'd you'd have to wait a day before you knew that that task was late or missing. Like, you've got to, you know, you've got to at some point say, like, we're going to give this job this much time to run, um, mm. you know, and now some of this, some of this might be initially you, you don't do this until you have some data gathered. And so it could be, you let the task run 10 times mm-hmm. before you start doing these automatic failure of tasks. So like you have some data around how this is, how this is working, right? It typically takes around 10 minutes to run between 10 and 15 yeah. minutes. After we know that, then we can say, okay, if we've got at least 10 executions for this that have run successfully, get an average for how long this execution takes to run. And if it's more than 20% over the amount of time it typically takes to run, mark it as delayed. If it's more than 40% yeah. over, mark it as failed or incomplete or something, right? Like yeah. that's a lot of thinking around that. But like that's that's the only thing I've really been able to come up with as far as how we would handle that. Mm. And apologies, I'm not in any of these chat things that are going on right now if people are talking. So you're going to have to convey that. Yeah. So Andreas has just, can we get the job timeout maybe? Like, cause you, can you set the timeout on a job when you schedule oh, yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we get that? I mean, that works if you've got a scheduled job. I don't know how that works with like scheduled commands and closures and things like that. So that bears some further investigation. I think typically what I've seen in other places is they just set some defaults. Like this task should finish in five minutes. And if it doesn't, then we can start raising alarms. And if that doesn't suit individual cases, like if you have that task that's going to take 20 minutes to run, then you can go into the UI and you can change that. You can say, all right, this is going to take 20 minutes to run. Alert me if it hasn't finished in 25 minutes. Yeah. And then we can do it based on that. So once we get the start, if we don't have a have a finish event by you know start plus runtime allowance or whatever we call it then then we start flinging poo and saying 
stuff's not working. Yeah. Okay. So summarize here. All right. Here's what I've got, right? We have, as far as an execution goes, we have a started, we have a finished, we have a skipped. And then what we're talking about right now is either incomplete, I think incomplete uh, or errored, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. I think either of those would be appropriate, right? Like if we, we won't know ever for sure that it was errored, but we will probably have a check in and not a check out, right? Or check in and not a start and not a finish. A start, right? not finish, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we could determine what we want to call that incomplete or error. I don't know. Probably incomplete. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. So then how do we know if it's incomplete? If we have a start and not a finish, then we have some options. We either get the timeout, but I feel like there is no timeout for the CLI. Like, is there? Like on the on the command line? Like I because like that's the whole point of running it on the command line. Is like command line typically I know you can have like long running jobs like on the queue, but like for mm. scheduler, I don't know there is really I think you can run a command line, I think, for as long as you really want. Like if you think about like for, you know, if you have to like send a crap ton of emails, like running it on the command line means you can run it for as long as you want. Like it doesn't matter. Let it run for three yeah. days. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. So we could either say, we could either say. So we'd have to look at that case. Yeah. So we can either say set a default or we can say figure out how long it will take based on previous runs or we can let the user put it in for all of them that they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's going to be, that's going to be the. um the trick, right? The other thing that we, the other thing that you do, the other thing that you could possibly do is, you know, this is kind of what we're doing with ours is we just do, and this is kind of the whole name of the the Laravel side of things. Um, then ping only happens after it finishes, right? Yes. That this, this entire problem is caused by starting, by, by sending a ping event when you start the task, right? And it's like, yes, that's good for informational purposes, but we really don't care unless it finishes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we're trying to figure out. But we but we're trying to figure out like what constitutes a failed task. At what point does the task need to be flagged as missing, late, delayed, failed, whatever? Yeah, because they actually. Started? Yeah, they're actually like the same thing. Mm. Yeah, they actually are the same thing. This is interesting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Because you can't like, so this is the same problem you have, which is like, here it is. I have the solution. I have okay, the let's solution. Hear it. Let's hear it. It's we need machine learning. Oh, that's it. AI. Let's do it that it, way. AI. Like, it, it sounds gimmicky, but I think this kind of thing where we're trying to make decisions and it, the, the thing is we don't want to make those kind of decisions on behalf of users without them opting in maybe. Sure. Or is, or is the, the scenario here that, yeah, we will do it for you and you don't have to worry about it and we will, figure out what a suitable timeout is based on an average of your last. It doesn't work if you're doing monthly tasks because it's going to be a month. It's going to be, you know, the better part of a year before we figure out based on the last 10 executions, what a suitable timeout value is. So we do, I think we definitely need to have a default. And from what I've seen in a couple of other solutions out there is they said it's you know, five minutes and 10 minutes. I think that's five fair because the like, warning and 10 is the, the bailout kind of condition. So like, so what that pretty much means then is that the grace period for any job, any task is a five minute grace period. That's what that means, right? Because mm-hmm. you're never going to get that finished event. If you have a, if you have a job that's over five minutes, it's going to fail every time, every single time yeah. it's going to like be throwing an alert to you saying, Hey, by the way, this is not working correctly. What if, what um, if we decide that it's failed based on that timeout and then we get a finish event after? Yeah. I mean, so then you'd have to, then you'd have to update the, um, so we're happy with, we, 
because then we update the task to say, okay, it is actually successful. It's no longer in an arid state. We update the execution to say that it finished because it's no longer in a missing state or an incomplete state. So I think I think the defaults, you know, five minutes, it's running slow. Ten minutes, it's it's cracked it. And then if the user decides, no, 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 my application takes 20 minutes to run that task. So tell me in 25 minutes if it hasn't finished and in 30 minutes, just fail it. And that way, you know, we can make some sensible defaults from that scenario. And then, you, you know, you just hold the user's hand. Hey, if you need to change these, go here, click here, change that yeah. value, done. I don't- I'd almost say like, we just say five minutes by default, like every job, it has five minutes. And if it's late by five minutes, meaning it hasn't finished a check-in for that, for that one, yep. then it's, it's, it's in an error state. And mm-hmm. then when that happens, when they get that alert saying, Hey, by the way, this, this task never finished checking in at that point, we can present them with a screen saying, Hey, is this a long running task? Is it possible? This is a long running task. Like you can increase the amount of time that you want to wait for this job in particular by default across the entire application. We will use a five minute timeout by default. You can decrease it if you want to, if you know this job, if this job is critical and it has to run every minute, then sure, go ahead and, and like decrease the limit to say you have one minute to check in one minute of grace to check in. But if it's a, a typical one and it doesn't matter if you wait five minutes, then just we'll say five minutes is the default, but you can mm-hmm. increase it or decrease it based on a specific on a job specific yeah. basis. And those those email alerts that go to the user should include deep links to like if you if is this a long running task, is this timeout not suitable? Click here and make and then it just take them straight to the task settings page and say, here you go, change it to whatever you need it to be. We'll we'll respect that in future. Yeah. Cause so and we then, can increase yeah. it for long running jobs. Yeah. And then as we go along and we gain some more metrics around individual task executions and we can see averages and things like that, then, you know, we could potentially make suggestions to the user that, hey, you've got this set to five minutes, but it's typically taking eight minutes to run. Maybe you want to increase the timeout to whatever that is, plus 5%. So eight plus 5%, whatever 5% of eight minutes is. Sure. Yeah. Probably probably not enough. (laughs) Yeah, you could almost like if you wanted to, you could almost you could say, hey, we have two modes. I mean, this is probably down the road, but you could have a um, default mode, which just says like, hey, we'll just set up five minutes and, and then you can fine tune it as as jobs fail or as they, whatever. Or you can do it mm-hmm. as like a learning mode, like you can put it into learning mode and we'll put it into learning mode for a week. And mm-hmm. then after a week with all the data we've gathered, we'll set what we think should be reasonable defaults for your timeouts on your jobs. Yeah, you could do that, too. Yep. That's, I mean, that's a probably down the road for sure. Yeah. But okay. I think that helps me with, I think the thing that I'm basically thinking about now is it's helpful to have those ping ins at the beginning, but mm-hmm. they really mean nothing. I mean, they do, yeah. they, they help you get metrics. They help you get metrics and they help you know if your scheduler is running. Yeah. But they mean nothing as far as hey. the tasks themselves. <laughs> How many times have you deployed an application to production and realized some days later that the scheduler wasn't running at all? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I have had that happen. <laughs> so it's it's good to have that. So yeah. Um yeah, it's interesting. So it, it's good that it's out there, but you know, people are asking, Andreas is asking, wasn't the beta for this going to be in November? And luckily oh, hey, Andreas, luckily we easy, were smart easy. and uh, and we didn't put a year on there. So is this Andreas Hubenthal? No, no, no. Andreas Santabanez. Oh, Santabanez. Hola, Andreas. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
But yeah, it's good. I'm glad we had this conversation because that brings me some clarity. This, I mean, I started thinking about it over Christmas and then I ran out of Christmas to, to work on it and it's now, you know, a week into February. I did speak to Yaz about this uh, probably about a month ago and we, and we came up, he came up with the, the process ID thing. So yeah, well, I he's think certainly, really smart. yeah, good job. Yeah, yes. He's, he certainly made that a little bit easier. His uh, royalty checks in the mail and uh, <laughs> he the, gets every, every subscriber, he 30, every ping. He gets 30% of every paying subscriber at the time that he solved that for us. So, oh my, Come 30% on. of nothing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I thought you meant a future. I gotcha. I got it. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll have to get him something. We'll send him some things. Speaking of things that we will be sending people. And speaking of startups that are self-funded. Fathom Analytics, our friends at Fathom Analytics that bring us simple analytics for bloggers and businesses. If you're sick of scrolling through pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of reports and collecting gobs of personal data about your visitors, which you really don't need or care about or want, Fathom is a simple and private website analytics platform that lets you focus on what's important and that is your business. You get one screen of data in real time. There is no cookie notices required because they don't collect any personal or invasive data about your users and there are no cookies used. So don't worry about that junk. You can have unlimited websites. You can have an application that is instantly ready for huge spikes because we know so many of our friends hit the front page of Hacker News all the time. All the time. Fathom has been featured on Fast Company, GitHub, Product Hunt, Hacker News for being a simple and easy to use alternative to Google Analytics and the wonderful, wonderful people that are using it speak volumes of it. They've also got their own weekly podcast called Above Board, discussing privacy and business in the digital age. And uh, as a simple and powerful analytics platform built on top of Laravel and on Laravel Vapor. Vapor. It's a, it's a pretty simple pricing structure. Pricing starts at $14 a month for 100,000 page views and you are free to cancel at any time. And all the pricing plans start with a free trial. But if you head over to usefathom.com slash north, you can get, what is it, $10 off? $10 off your first month. Yeah. $10 so off five dollars. It's worth a try for sure. Yeah. I want to say a couple other things too. So like DHH said this to, uh, yesterday. The great thing about making products is that you get to express your bitterness in the material of change. He's being extremely bitter about mass invasion of privacy. And being able to express that sentiment in specific features like tracking pixels is what he lives for. And so somebody asked after that, what would you recommend for analytics? And he said, I heard some good things about Use Fathom. So the word is spreading quickly. DHH is recommending Use Fathom. You heard it here first. So these guys uh, have put an enormous amount of work into this and uh, they are Laravel community members. So Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis, it's just super polished and it looks really good. So definitely do them a favor. Do us a favor. Use fathom.com slash north. Even if you just check it out, we would really, really appreciate it. Give those guys some love. Shout them out on Twitter. Retweet something of theirs. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Don't forget also, while we're talking about our wonderful community members, Jack Ellis has been oh yeah, that's right. spreading lots and lots and lots of hot tips. Get onto his email list at jackellisweb.com, I think. He's got serverlesslaravel.com is his upcoming course on using Laravel Vapor. He's gone into a lot of detail about costing and and uh, where Vapor can save you. They were spending, you know, around 
five to eight hundred dollars a month on hosting costs on their uh i think they were on heroku before they moved to laravel vapor so i think in the last two years or so they've rewritten fathom a couple of times from scratch so really check it out that's hilarious yeah yeah. i think it was written in it was written in a whole other language initially v1 and v2 is a, a laravel application and then just as they finished just as they were getting ready to investigate moving their platform that was around the time that taylor launched vapor so yeah definitely check fathom out give uh, paul jarvis and jack ellis a follow on twitter as well we will have links to all those things in the show notes yeah absolutely let's see do we have anything else to talk about with then ping me i think that's honestly i think that's quite a quite a while i will say this we will be using the if not state machines which we will probably but the state pattern and this is something that we just implemented again the other day wilbur powery who i work with who's one of our developers uh we just used this again the other day and it's nice because it really what it does is it allows you to co-locate all the stuff that happens at the same time when you are updating the state of a of a model or mm-hmm. of an entity. So some people would say, okay, well, I just emit an event and then all the things happen. And that's that does work. That's great. For me, the problem has always been with that. Like when you emit that event, then it's like, okay, where is that getting where is that getting handled, right? Yeah. Typically, it's like the event service provider. You have to go in there and then you have a mapping of like one to the others and then you have to go see all the all the other jobs that are happening in there and then you kind of can dig into those, whatever. Uh, if they have codependent pieces, then you'd have to make sure that they ran like sequential or something. I don't know. Like it, it's just a little bit, it, it can be a little bit finicky, right? Yeah. So with this, what we're doing instead is we just have these states and these transitions and when the transition occurs it just says handle we have like a it's like a handle method and then any of the things that need to happen just happen so in the controller itself all we have to do is we say model arrow transition to and then the name of the next state Mm -hmm. and there you go that's it now if you want to see all the things that happen you just go click into that one specific state or into that transition and it will show you all the things that happen now there's also this idea of like state charts this is really cool this is like a formalized version of state machines and they have like conditionals that can prevent this transition from happening or things that happen on the on, on the uh, coming in of the transition or things that happen on the going out of the transition there's just there's a bunch of really interesting things uh, we're using for that we have one one that's a home rolled version and then we have another one that's uh, written by one of the guys over at Spassi. so well, we're, we're going to mess with that in this project. I'm going to convert Michael over to it. And I think he's really going to like it. It's going to it's gonna be awesome. It works there. really well. I'm ready to go. All right. I've got status columns ready for your action. Yes, man. They're awesome. And the nice thing about it is like you can you can trust it. Because hmm. like when status columns are just like set all like willy nilly, you, you don't know where they're being set at. Yeah. That's when it gets really nerve wracking about the status. Like, oh man, like, can I trust that? Like, did it yeah. somehow get updated out from underneath me? Like that's, and that's when you want to look at timestamps. Yeah. The problem with timestamps is like, it's so freaking difficult to query because you have this computed state, this computed status now where you say like, okay, mm-hmm. well, it was checked in here, like last checked in at, but the last run at is this and the last skipped at and like we erred at, like, I don't know. There's just all these different timestamps and you have to compute the status based on those and you can't query that. I mean, you could, but it's very difficult, right? So a lot of times what you end up with is you end up with this like attribute on your model that takes into account all these different timestamps and then returns you a status. It's just, it's a mess. It's very difficult. 
So this specific project is going to be, it has the exact use cases we would need for these particular types of, yeah. of uh, solutions. Yeah. Yep. And I hear all you other people out there saying event sourcing. I hear you. Yeah. We're basically doing, we're basically rolling event sourcing here. Is what we're <laughs> I kind Seriously. of sidestepped using the state machines in a project. I had to track recently for user referrals when a user signed up, when they were connected, when they paid their first bill, when they qualified and uh, when they were connect com- qualified and when the, the referral was paid out. So there were five different states and I didn't use state machines. And I know that you're very upset about that, but I did write the test. You did. To make you just sure. didn't. You didn't make them explicit. But I did. Just used yeah. them Implicitly. So I like. There's. There's like transitioning between states, and it's all system based. There's no way you can go and update a column in the table. We we stored dates when when the user was connected, when they were qualified, like when all of those different state changes happened. But in terms of the actual state column, that only gets updated in one way, and not genius. You know, yeah. yeah. Not through a no. not through a, a specific piece of functionality that says you know model transition to blah, but it was it was an event was fired. There was a listener that said, "Hey, I I need to do something." You know, the invoice was paid. Is this part of a referral? If it is, uh, if it isn't, get out of here. If it is, go and do the next thing. Set the status and move to the next state. So, I I kind of did it in a roundabout way, but I got there. Yeah, yeah, you did. Like so, yeah. Exactly. And that's kind of what we've done in other projects. And I think, and like, so the state pattern is not necessarily state machines. It's just like, it's a very, Mm. like, I think it's like one of the gang of five, like patterns, like the state pattern, but it really does just help clarify. It's like, oh, I remember the first time we saw that I was like, oh yeah, actually that makes, that makes perfect sense. Why don't we just do that? And so basically, so, so here's, here's kind of a really, really short version for you. So when, when you have whatever your status is, you basically have a class associated with that status, right? So like if you're in a referred status, you would call model state and it hydrates that status. So you have this new class that's like mm-hmm. attached to that. So you have your state. And then all you do is just say like transition to and then whatever you want to go to next. And that class would actually check for you and say, am I allowed to do that? Do I actually have the ability to do that? And in our case, what we did just was really simple. We just put public methods on that on that class called whatever the next things we wanted the transition to were so like that's it and then you just call that method and you're done if the yeah. method doesn't exist then it throws an error no problem nice. it's super simple it's really nice. really simple nice yeah hey man it's uh it's getting a little long in the tooth here mm. we are at uh 53 minutes we should probably wrap this thing we probably should okay this, hey, uh, everybody, this thanks so much good Go ahead. chat uh got me some, it was it got me in a good good headspace for next steps in terms of what we need to achieve to hopefully start getting you know we've got a whole bunch of people on the early access list so we can probably finish writing the first version of this get it all working you can test it out i can test it out in our own apps at work see how it's going and then yes. we'll probably start letting in a handful this. of people just to start playing around with it for yeah for freeze uh for zero dollars and then once We've tested that out for a little bit. Then we can start going to the next step, I guess. See where it goes. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to do this. Even, I mean, like we said, like even if we only are the only ones who are using it for us, I think it'll be 100%. Yep. So, yep. Awesome. Okay. Um, Oh, last thing with that, like on that specific note right there, part of the thing that's cool about writing it for yourself, and we did this with our own, there are a million things that will handle payment 
for you out there, right? So like in our particular space, there are probably five vendors that have solutions for our particular situation. The problem is they're all like a cheap suit, right? Like they're pre-made, prefab, and they have to fit five different sizes, right? They have to fit like different types of businesses. So it's like going to, no hate on like anybody who does this, right? But it's like going to like JCPenney or whatever your equivalent is, some department store, mm-hmm. just buying a suit off the rack and then that's it. Versus going and buying a suit and then getting it tailored, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the difference between like buying a pre-made solution and building your own is that you can make it fit the contours of your business exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to wait for them to implement some possible feature that you could really use. Mm-hmm. That's been a huge godsend for us with this project we built called WilberPay because we can do whatever we want, anything we want. The very, very nitty gritty specifics of our business, we can build it straight to spec. Yeah. And so I'm excited about this because there are a million other solutions out there, but some of them are, you know, they're just, it's generic. They can be generic. Yeah. And I mean, this will be generic ish, right? But for us in particular, uh, we will have different problems than maybe what other people do. And since we're the ones building it, we can build those features. Mm-hmm. In. You just have to be careful. I suppose it's lucky that you work with so many lawyers because they can figure out all the compliance around taking payments and all that kind of stuff. So you don't have to worry about it as much as opposed to, you know, like just some one on the street building an app and deciding they're going to build their own version of Stripe for some reason because they don't want to pay the 30 cents to Stripe. Totally. Yeah, we it's it's awesome. We actually have a uh, a guy whose only job at our company is he is the chief compliance officer. He's a lawyer and he just keeps track of compliance stuff. Nice. So every morning in the the morning manager meeting, he will be like, yeah, there was three new cases about this and there was a... Uh, you know, a judgment out in California with this new law that's going on. And, you know, somebody got sued about texting somebody and we need to be aware of whatever. And there's this wording that we can't use anymore mm-hmm. or, you know, it's all sorts of crazy stuff. He keeps track of all that. Yeah. So before we do anything, we're always like, hey, Mark, <laughs> yeah, what do you think about this? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, mm, we can't do that. Or no, that looks great. You know, he's awesome. Awesome. So anyway, anyway. All right. Thanks, everybody. This was episode 69. Thanks for tuning in with us either via live feed or via your podcatcher of choice. If you like the show, please feel free to rate it up. Five stars is always appreciated. Hit us up with questions on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at North South Audio. And you can find show notes for this episode at northmeetssouth.audio slash 69. Beautiful. Thanks also to our friends, yeah, Fathom Analytics. Check them out at usefathom.com forward slash north. And last one, apology. If my mic is cutting in left and right, sorry, I had to use my old mic tonight because my poor wife is sick on her birthday. Oh my word. Sorry, Lo. And uh, she is sleeping in in the room that I usually record in. Mm. So big bummer. The downsides of having a birthday in the middle of winter. Yes, true story. True story. All right, everybody. Till next time. Bye. Peace.